Hi, welcome to Offscript. I'm Zach Lewis. And I'm Dr. Draper. Today on the show, we're talking about Bodies, 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 the new A24 horror, uh, the woke, laced, glow stick-based Pete Davidson. Rachel Snow features actually a lot of fun. We went and saw We're going to tell you what we thought. Uh, we're also going to talk about 13 Lives, the Ron Howard movie that just came to Amazon Prime. You know, I, I used to think when, when a movie said Ron Howard on the front, it was going to be great stuff, and now I'm not so sure. Uh, but it is about the Thai ca- Thailand cave rescue in 2018. I realize that sounds bad, <laughs> putting those two not pieces of information the, together. Listen, <laughs> not the Chilean re- rescue, which I kept confusing it with. It's true. Yeah, we, we did have to go back and find out if that actually happened or not. But anyway, yes, uh, we, the, the movie is out. It's on Amazon Prime. We watched it. We're going to talk about it. We're going to talk about some upcoming trailers, some things that are coming up this Oscar season that you might want to get excited about. But first things first, uh, on to the news. Uh, Ezra Miller seeking treatment for complex mental health issues. My God, the star of Warner Brothers The Flash may just be a hero yet. Andy, this came out this morning. Br- some smoking hot news for Offscript. What, what do you think about this? I, mean, I think there's a lot going on. Uh, first of all, it's really great that he is seeking help uh, for w- what is, you know, a number of issues he's been having. Um, I do think it's definitely part of uh, Warner Brothers probably stepping in and being like, hey, this movie's not going to happen and it's going to derail your career if we don't, like, fix this. And I, I think it's probably a big PR move as well. But, it, you know, it can be both. It can be him getting help and also be a PR move to get some heat off him and hope that this flash movie happens uh, next summer. So it's, it's a good thing, but I think it's definitely a, a PR move. If this is your first time tuning into the show or you just have not been up on Ezra Miller news, uh, Ezra Miller has been the subject of controversy over the last, you know, handful of months uh, for a number of news stories that have come out about incidents uh, in Hawaii when he was vacationing after filming. Uh, it was an incident at a karaoke bar. He was accused of striking a woman in the, in the head at a private residence. There was something about a family living on his, like, farm in Vermont or Wisconsin. I'm, I'm not even sure where. Just, just recently, uh, on August 8th, he was charged with felony burglary in Vermont. Uh, so Ezra Miller has had some things going on and Warner has been in the interesting position of having the flash movie, a $200 million feature already made. It's already made. And they're just sitting on it. They're, they're, they're tidying it up for release next June. And they don't know what to do with this big fancy movie because Ezra Miller's the star and you don't want to have the star of your film be embroiled in controversy and scandal, especially if it seems a lot of it may be true. So it's really meaningful that Ezra Miller is coming out now and saying, Hey, you know what? I've made some mistakes. I'm going to get better. Some might say that Warner might be back in this whole thing because they really want this movie to do good because they have a ton of money invested. So they're probably helping their young star out, I think, maybe. Yeah, I, I think, like I said, uh, Warner Brothers is probably definitely stepping in because uh, he's got to sell the movie. He he is the main character. It, you know, we've seen this like with uh, Murder on the, not Orient Express, Death on the Nile uh, with Army ha- Hammer. If your star you know, falls out of favor with the public, it, it'll tank your entire movie. So they're trying to get ahead of it. They're trying, they're getting him some help. He's also getting help, uh, which is a great, great thing. But we, we see what can happen if, if you don't get your star under control. God, I forgot about Army Hammer and Death in the Nile. That was, that was a whole thing. Uh, before we move on, uh, one more bit here. Uh, Miller's actual statement uh, sent to The Hollywood Reporter was this. Uh, Having recently gone through a time of intense crisis, I now understand that I am suffering complex mental health, health issues and have begun ongoing treatment. I want to apologize to everyone that I have alarmed and upset with my past behavior. I'm committed to doing the necessary work to get back to a healthy, safe, and productive stage of my life. Very uh, well-spoken for Ezra Miller. <laughs> 
it's almost like it's almost like he had a team help and put that together. But you know, that's yeah. pretty standard fare, I think, for you know Hollywood. This isn't that surprising. Uh, yeah, I hope he gets better. I really do. Like honestly, this 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 is this is a big problem. I think, and and good for him for seeking treatment and getting help. I hope it works out. I hope the Flash comes out. I hope it's a huge hit. Like I got I got nothing against uh you know Flash. So hopefully it all works out. Uh, our next story, Saw 10 is coming out, baby. New Saw movie set for Hollywood, Halloween 2023. My God, and we thought they couldn't do it, but here we are. Uh, this is going to be a new Saw movie that is, as far as we know, completely independent from that new reboot they already did that Chris Rock produced, starring Samuel L. Jackson and Chris Rock, called Spiral from the Book of Saw. Uh, this is going to be going, I don't know, back to previous Saw movies. It's from the director of saw six who also edited saw one through five i think he also worked on jigsaw uh a, a return to form for the uh the the bloody torture porn series and any hot takes on saw coming back to theaters i mean saw is a huge property it made the careers of james wan and lee wannell uh james wan had, would go on to direct a number of fast and furious films i believe uh I'm, i feel wrong all of us said no <laughs> any, i think he did horror films no he did he also did malignant um yeah the Conjuring. Uh, but it, it's a it's a massive property it's over a billion dollars across nine movies uh so it's of course going to get uh, another one in the installment um it was interesting to say we were getting a new saw movie and not necessarily like the a continuation of the last iteration spiral from the book of saw so we'll see what kind of direction they go we don't really know but uh i mean horror is always successful if done right so right here here's the thing uh i do have an, an affinity for saw a special place in my heart because when i was growing up i hadn't seen any of them and i right around like saw four or five you know i was starting to kind of get wise wise to them as, as a regular thing every halloween and people told me to go back and watch saw one it's actually a really good movie and i was like yeah okay sure and then when i went back and watched i was like oh wow yeah the, the first saw really is is something special this is an indie feature made on like no budget like barely pulled together uh and it's great saw 2 uniquely follows in a similar vein saw 3 saw 4 start to go off the rails a little bit by the time we're at where we're at in the series now like it's clear the audience does not care a whole lot about plot in a saw movie they're there for really one thing and it's the saw traps we're here and, for the like, gore we're here the torture. for torture <laughs> and it's such a good formula for a horror movie every halloween like give me a couple creative traps give me some good special effects right like we got a Saw movie, baby. If it's Halloween, it must be Saw. And in a weird way, like, I'm glad it's not gone because, of course, it's cheesy and, of course, it's bad. But I'll take a crappy Saw movie over, like, the crappy Child's Play remake any day of the week. Like, I I'll take something at least new in a universe that's mid than, like, a boring remake of something that's better. I, I, I Saw 10 might be good stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. it it's, always, it's coming out, uh, you know, it'll come out in October. It'd be a good time. Yeah. And uh, yeah, we don't look, you don't always need elevated horror, the movies. All right. Sometimes you need <laughs> the down and dirty bloom house kind of stuff. And that's exactly what this is. If, if Halloween kills can come out, then why can't we get saw 10? Uh, one more story this week from the box office bullet train leading a uh, middling weekend while top gun Two continues in its 12th week at the box office. <laughs> Three months in theaters, 90 days, just like Tom Cruise wanted. Uh, Top, Top Gun Maverick continues to do well. Andy, what's going on at the box office? Well, the summer's rack wrapping up. It's a quiet weekend. There were no 
real big releases, if any, uh, this week. Uh, so it's mostly holdovers from from the previous week. Of course, Bullet Train, Top Gun Maverick still is in the top five, which is really amazing. I, I just saw something that, that they're finally, I think it has a date for uh, PVOD um with some extras in it so it's it's amazing that the legs that movie has had and then the other small films uh thor not not thor four but other films dc league of super Super pets and uh thor love and thunder kind of round out the top five so it's the usual trailing off of the summer and we're starting to slow down we got some new things on the on the horizon but summer movie releases are essentially over yeah, this is going to be a thing for the next few weeks here on Offscript. Uh, when your friends or family says, hey, I want to go to a movie, what should we see? You're going to have very limited options. All the studios put all their summer stuff out. It's uh, it's come and gone now. Like, all the good stuff came, and it went. Now we're getting into Oscar season. We're getting into the awards stuff. Bold cinema. People talking in rooms. Uh, that's, those are some of the things we're going to talk about when we look at trailers in between our reviews this episode. Stick around. But right now, things are a little lean, and that's okay. I think... The box office expects that. I think people are having lower projections for these weeks. They're releasing smaller stuff, uh, namely uh, The Fall, which we did not see, but we've seen posters at and chuckled about. Uh, that movie, it was projected for a $2.5 million debut, limited showings. That's kind of the name of the game right now. Like People are pushing stuff to streaming. We're just kind of in, in, a, in a, bit of, a bit of a lull, almost like January, the beginning of the year. So I don't know. It, that's all right. I'm excited to see, you know, what's what's coming down the pipe. More importantly, uh, Top Gun Maverick is coming to Blu-ray and 4K Ultra HD. I think in November, they said it's actually going to be physical. Wow. You can get it and watch it at home. No idea when it'll be on streaming. Uh, but yeah, that movie will finally exist. In a Six months. Format. like that, That's old school. That's old. School. I know. That's that is that is Tom Cruise time. Like he he he's running the show, and he's like, "By God, when I was a kid, this is how movies used to work. And popcorn was a nickel." Uh, and so you know, if <laughs> if he gets his way, maybe we'll all be eating cheap. Um, I don't know. That's the box office. And with that, we should probably move on to our first episode. First, first, first film of the episode. Uh, I'm gonna be taking the summary on this one, so please excuse a clumsy delivery. The movie is Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. Who wants to play Bodies, Bodies, Bodies? So, uh, Bodies, Bodies, Bodies is the story of a young group of uh, probably post-Gen Z, whatever that is, like really young, like just out of high school, college kids getting together for a hurricane party at one of their rich dad's houses. All these kids are super affluent and they're all on TikTok and they all constantly have their phones out and are plugged into social media and they all get together to drink and do a ton, copious amounts of drugs and listen to music really loud when one of them suggests uh, in the middle of the night, hey, we should play a game called bodies 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 but like werewolf uh, somebody looks for the killer in the room and, and and you know it's a playful game where people get kind of mad but suddenly in the dark the game turns deadly and, and the movie becomes a whodunit of who could have done and make currently continue to be doing the murderers if it's anybody here at all uh, the movie's out from a24 it's a smaller horror feature from a second uh, feature film time director what is her name uh, helena rice rain Rain, uh, Rain, yeah, uh, and and the movie stars a small cast of up and comers: uh, Maria Bakalova from Borat Two, namely, that's where she made her name. Uh, Rachel Sinow, a young comedian; Pete Davidson, um, Lee Pace from the Hobbit movies is in this movie. <laughs> 
<laughs> the movie is bodies, bodies, bodies. Uh, Andy, what you think? Uh, so some of this works and some of it doesn't. I was really looking forward to this uh, for a long time. It was an A24 uh, joint. <laughs> and, and we're really... You know, it's this twist on Gen. It's the Gen Z uh, demographic squarely, and it's a bunch of frenemies kind of going after each other. This mystery of who's who's the killer in in this bunch. Um, I was a little disappointed. Uh, there are, like I said, there are some good things. I, I think it's shot pr- well. I I think the performances are actually really strong, but the the main narrative is just a little weak. Um, it doesn't really grab you. It's not really scary. It's supposed to be a dark comedy, I guess, and it's not particularly comedic. Um, none of the jokes really land. I think it does fail the uh, six laugh test. Um, but there are some good moments and, uh, you know, some positive things to talk about as well. Yes. Uh, bodies, 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 I should have said at the open as a horror comedy for, for anybody who maybe hasn't seen the trailer, doesn't know. Uh, so you're going to get some horror. You're going to get some laughs. Uh, I, I think I was a bit more glowing on it than Andy. Uh, I think it's good, but it's not great. It, it, it doesn't doesn't quite elevate to where I hope a lot of A24 movies do, but it still does something different. And if you aren't too caught up in comparing it to like other films that have come before, you may see this as something of particular original. If if you're well read in the space and you've seen a lot of films like this, maybe with like, you know, yoke, yoke, woke young folks, uh, you know, committing violence for funsies like, I don't know, Fight Club or Clockwork Orange or more recently Thoroughbreds, uh, maybe even something like Superbad or Booksmart. Then, yeah, you you may think this is like really something clever and unique. Uh, it does have some redeeming factors that I do want to talk about. There, there are things I liked about this movie, but it just it just falls a hair short. And I, I was kind of expecting more than I should have. I, I kind of knew going in it wasn't going to be a big thing. It's an independent A24 film, you know, like it's not going to be a giant thing. Um, but I don't know. I guess I was hopeful, you know, because I've seen so many unique things happen in the space and in horror comedy, it's, it's a really, really cool space to play in, uh, for a filmmaker. And I hope this would do a little more than it does. I do want to talk about what works first, because I think there's a lot of things that work that people will enjoy when they watch this movie. It is not all bad. It is good. I thought bodies, bodies, bodies was good. I did, but let's get into it. Uh, first things first, our very limited cast, Andy, there are seven people in this movie. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that is it. Uh, it's even in the credits list. There's not a lot of people. Uh, we have two boys and five girls. Uh, and like you said, they are all frenemies. They all have a bit of a past. Every one of them seems to have a, a, a parents who are agonizingly rich, who, who are not in the film at all. And they all arrive at uh, one boy's party, Pete Davidson's character specifically who's named David, uh, to have a big hurricane party when the hurricane comes into town. So, knowing it's a hurricane party, no cell phone service, lights are going to be out, nobody's coming to help you, you know, and they see this as, like, a fun retreat where they can get together and do a ton of drugs and party and and turn up the music loud. Uh, And this is spoiled when their friend shows up with their new girlfriend, who is uh, uniquely sober and doesn't actually do any drugs and then and then that's where you start to get just a little bit of tension in the movie well like well hey you're here and we're not going to be able to have as much fun doing you know all kinds of mind-bending activities because we feel like we have to tiptoe around you and that's just the beginning of a little bit of drama that turns into a deadly game of bodies 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 i, I like everybody in this i think uh, some shine more than others pete davidson's great uh, Rachel Sano is really great. I've never seen her in anything. I might be Sanat, but I think it's Sano. 
Uh, she's really funny. She's she's really funny in this movie. I actually like Lee Pace for what he does in it. He plays this kind of out of place, 40-something guy. Uh, he's, he's one of the girl's boyfriends, and everybody's like, why'd you bring that guy? Who is that dude? You know, and, and that's uh, a fun element. Uh, and, and Maria Bakalova, I want to say, is is kind of our lead. She plays a almost like a foreign exchange student who's just tagged along uh, with the sober friend. And uh, she's good in some of the emotional parts, but I, I do think she did not do a great job of emoting being horrifically frightened. Uh, you know, there, there's when you start finding dead bodies of friends at a house at, at night in the dark, you don't know who's doing it. Like, that's pretty psychologically twisted. And most everybody else seems to hang. And if they can't, it's because their character is like outlandishly high. So I get it. Like, I get it. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Like, I that, that fits you. But she's supposed to be kind of a bit more focused and i i don't think she quite she i don't know i I wasn't wasn't super convinced but i like her she's pretty good uh also shout out to amanda stenberg who's great uh and and any thoughts on our very limited cast yeah so i I think one of the things the movie does real well is is create tension and uncomfortable a sense of uncomfortableness between everyone because these aren't like really adults they're like proto adults and what i mean it's just like there's a a lot of like courtesies that you that are just kind of left out like um sophie and b our main kind of duo show up kind of unannounced and everyone's surprised to see them they're like oh no one knew you were coming but she's friends with everyone so no one's gonna tell her to leave either you know and it's like it's weird that she's there because they're you know they're partying pretty hard and she's like oh no i'm sober now um and then she's also showing up with a new girlfriend which apparently you know this is kind of like a social circle that has dated each other all so that's also weird too and then there's there's lots of just that kind of situation where everyone's a little uncomfortable with each other everyone's got history some good a lot bad but they're still good enough to be hanging out that just creates so much much tension between uh everyone and like i said i think the performances themselves are are pretty good it's just that the narrative overall isn't um super strong maria bakalova of course very good from uh borat too she like like zach was saying she doesn't really have a whole lot to do no uh she's not given a lot of lines and she kind of mumbles the lines she has because her character is supposed to be meek and feel out of place and like i get that like she would feel very out of place with this group of individuals um but yeah like it just comes off as a weak character like and she doesn't have a lot of opportunities to really shine there's a couple of like actually good emotional scenes where i think like her her talent really comes out but um, yeah, she's not really given a lot of opportunity. And a big part of the reason that is, is because the movie is really dark, uh, not just in tone, visually very dark. The lights are out almost the whole movie. Um, you get a lot of scenes of characters kind of stumbling around in the dark, lots of using their phone lights, lots of using glow sticks to see. And that stuff's really clever, actually. It's it's rare that we see a horror movie where people are so connected to technology and it's useless to them because they're like trapped in a situation that's entirely real and, and, and you know that's not gonna help them out a lot. Like they use their phones as flashlights, but they can't call for help. There's a hurricane outside. Clever, simple writing, uh, gets around characters not being able to call for help. Um, I like that. Like I, I, I like that these characters are constantly using their phones for light. It feels realistic. It's exactly what young girls would be doing nowadays. 
Um, I like that when they go out in the rain, like their mascara's running down their face and their makeup's all messed up and their hair's disheveled. And like over the course of the film, these girls become more and more like craven in appearance because <laughs> they're just like trying to figure out what the hell's going on in this house, which is great. And and I like the the, the who done it mystery of the plot. Like it, it kept me interested. I didn't exactly know where it was going. There's a couple of uh, you know, uh, lame ducks that that make appearances that you feel like, yeah, that may not work out, and it may, or, you know, might actually. Uh, yeah, I, I I thought the look of this movie was smart, and I didn't mind the kind of overall plot too much. Some of the beat for beat stuff I think is weak, and that's really just in dialogue and scripting. Characters kind of they, they say things to each other that doesn't make a lot of sense when you're in a room full of people getting murdered. You know what I mean? <laughs> like yeah, I, I, I the think that kind stuff. of. Yeah, and I think that that's where you kind of have to choose your tone. Like, are you going really lean into the realism? Is it going to be more like comedic and, and a caricature? And this, it's a little all o- over the place. Um, I did want to mention, I, I really like how it's shot in that. So, much, so like the power goes out because, of course, it's a dark and stormy night. Um, and so a lot of the movie is shot in the in the dark or with people using flashlights or their cell phones and so that gives a really kind of neat effect because you can never really see everything or everyone when they're in a room and then several of them also have uh these glow sticks they're wearing or like around their neck or or around the uh their arms and so like that gives a really interesting visual dynamic and it also kind of helps you keep people apart because only a couple of people are wearing them yeah, uh, names of your characters will get lost in the script. You won't remember many people's names, but you you will remember the silhouettes. Everybody looks very visually distinct, which is helpful because, you know, you've got five girls who are all crying crying about their phones for a movie, and you're like, well, I can't keep up with who's who here. They all seem really thin. So having characters who stand out visually helps a lot. And, and having them have interesting backstories, I think, is important, too. Some of them do. Some of them don't. Uh, it becomes apparent as you're watching the movie that, like, they're all coming from just copious amounts of wealth <laughs> and i don't have any any real idea for boundaries or consequences uh so as they're running around in this house and bad things continue to happen um they they have reactions that seem out of place and i think that pulls your audience out of the film like it it, it you just kind of you know forget that you're supposed to be watching something that's very serious uh fortunately it does create space for comedy uh you get some really funny moments where davidson or rachel Snow like will just crack off a line like in the in the middle of a dark situation that like nobody laughs at in the film there's no diegetic laughter but is funny to us because of the absurdity of the situation um this is also a little weighed down by a script that's very bent on being uh, what people would refer to as like woke nowadays, whatever, whatever that word means uh, anymore. Uh, it's it's, well, it's the poster says on it, this is not a safe space. This is this is supposed to people people talk about characters being toxic or triggered, uh, and that stuff's like fine because I think it fits the, the the generation. But it it there's a couple scenes where you're just like, oh my god, I don't care. <laughs> well, and and I I think it's again it's it's played for laughs and and they just don't really hit there's a sequence where they literally do a tiktok dance because we've gotten to that place where everyone knows what that (laughs) that means to do um Uh and like the the music they're using is like already outdated so it's like when this yeah so when this movie is playing is playing now it's already outdated in a sense and it's only going to get more outdated so i kind of feel this is very much an in the moment film and like it's not really going to age super well 
Yeah, and I think that like is a perfect place to 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 make our make our exit on our bodies bodies review bodies 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 review because this movie is all about being in the moment, like especially for our characters who are vapid <laughs> and like so you know just just constantly nar- narcissistic. Uh, all of them have personality complexes and they're constantly looking at themselves over everybody else. Uh, it creates a setting for a unique whodunit, but ultimately, yeah, it's probably not going to age very well because it's very modern. Uh, and also, uh, you know, is 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 pretty harmless going forward. I don't have any plans to rewatch Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. I don't think it's not something I'm like gonna rush out and buy the Blu-ray for. Um, I I think it's good. If I saw this on TV, I'd probably watch it. Like, I, yeah, I I I don't dislike this movie. I I think it's good. It's just not, you know, it's not it's not anything to write home about. It's just a solid solid feature. And that's and that's a fine place for a new director to step into the space and do something different. I like the people in it. I like the lighting and the way it's shot. Um, and I don't know. That's 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 bodies, bodies, bodies. I also like the soundtrack. Quick mention. Uh, there's a great playlist on Spotify with some good stuff. Uh, you should go check out if you like the sound of bodies, bodies, bodies. Uh, Andy, any other thoughts before recommendations? Um, no, I'm uh, I'm ready. Andy, would you recommend bodies, bodies, bodies? Uh, for me, I would say save it for streaming. Um, it it it's it is short. It's a nice little self-contained it's a bottle film, essentially, uh, horror movie that's it's very progressive in its uh, its cast and its representation. Um, there are some good. There are a lot of good performances. There's good cinematography. The the story and the mystery are just a little weak and didn't really didn't grab me. The dark comedy element of it didn't really grab me either. I, I also have to remember like. I'm near, this is aimed at Gen Z and I'm an elder millennial. So, um, you know, maybe younger folk will maybe relate to it a little bit more. Uh, but I, I didn't as much. So I, again, I would say save it for streaming. It was fine. Uh, I'm kind of in the same boat. I I liked it more than Andy did, I think. Uh, but yeah, you don't, you don't got to run out and see this. This is not the hot new a 24 feature. This is not like, you know, it's certainly not like everything everywhere all at once. It's not like you're going to rush out and tell your friends, oh, my God, you got to go see Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. It's fine. If you're interested, if you if you like A24, you like horror, you kind of want to see what's going on in this movie, go check it out. You'll probably enjoy it. If not, save for streaming. Yeah, you're, you're not – nobody's breaking down the door to talk about Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. Like, I think it's a solid feature. I'm interested to see what the director does next. I'll, I'll keep up with the cast and see what they got going on. It's Bodies, 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 baby. It's not so bad. And with that, we should probably move into our first review of some upcoming trailers and some things that are coming out. Andy, you mind introducing this segment for us? It's time for the trailer park. So first up this week, we got four trailers, four hot features to talk about coming out from August to October. This is stuff you may not have heard about. Smaller features, indie joints, stuff that may or may not get nominated for Oscars. Hopefully, because a lot of it is, uh, you know, bold cinema. The kind of stuff Andy and I like. People standing around talking in dimly lit rooms. That's that's what it's all about, baby. That's the stuff <laughs> yeah. that wins awards. Uh, so let's get into it. Our first film is a movie called Funny Pages. Actually, no, it's not. It's called Breaking, and Andy's going to talk about it. And then <laughs> I'm going to talk about Funny Pages. Sorry. Uh, my no dyslexia got the better of me. Yeah. All right, uh, Breaking is a new film starring John Boyega, who plays a war veteran. Who uh, we see in the in the trailer, he goes and 
holds a bank hostage, gets everyone out, and he's he's said, I got guns and a bomb, and but he's not there for the money, he's there for the attention, and he's trying to get the attention of kind of government officials, and and there's some like he is a war veteran. There's either somehow he's been wronged, or he's trying to get the attention and trying to get things done, you know, involving the VA. Uh, this is, reminds me actually of things like I mean, it's been compared to Dog Day Afternoon, but I think more closely to something like John Q, uh, the movie with. Denzel Washington, where he holds a like a hospital hostage because he's trying to get cancer treatment for his son or daughter. It's a little bit like that. It's someone pushed to the edge, um, who's been marginalized and ignored, and is taking extreme measures to uh, to bring about change. Uh, the movie also stars uh, Michael K. Williams, and I think what might have been his his final role. Um, this looks good. It looks exciting. This is not for streaming. This is going to theaters. Um, actually. In like a couple weeks, maybe next. I think week it's actually. showing in a couple places in town now. I looked it up earlier and was like, "Oh, it looks like there's yeah. showtimes." <laughs> maybe it's going to, to streaming soon. Actually, yeah, uh, it's yeah. But I, I like the. I mean, it looks exciting. There's a lot of tension, uh, a lot of action, action because you know the the police and SWAT and every everyone else uh, surround the building, and you know he's got hostages inside, and he's trying to get things to happen. Um, and I like John Boyega, so uh, yeah, I'm kind of excited about this. What do you think? Yeah, I'm in the same boat. I haven't seen Boyega do anything since like Star Wars. Like, I'm sure he's done other stuff, but like I haven't really seen him anywhere. And I I've seen on Twitter he's pretty active and Instagram, uh, usually swinging on Star Wars trolls, which is a valiant effort. And he's been saying that he's got stuff coming up. Like he, I don't know if he took a break or or kind of where he's been, but like I think he's good. I really liked him in Star Wars. I, I wish he'd had more opportunities to do more. Uh, and I think this looks solid. Yeah. Like Andy said, it's John Q kind of thing. Dog day afternoon. Uh, you got somebody holding up a, holding up a bank and they got a reason and everybody's going to find out over the course of the film. I don't think that's bad. Uh, I'm excited to see Michael K. Williams. I don't know. This one might just be a sleeper. Like there might be some good uh, emotional pulp in there. I, we'll, we'll have to see. Our next movie is the one I introduced before Andy talked about breaking, breaking, breaking. It's called funny pages. Uh, breaking, breaking, breaking bodies, bodies, just bodies. W- breaking one was breaking. The- Bunny Pages is this movie uh, that is coming out. That's from uh, first-time director Owen Klein, who is a young alternative comedian. Uh, here's the summary, because uh, I'm, I'm not sure how best to describe it. A bitingly funny coming-of-age story of a teenage cartoonist who rejects the comforts, comforts of his suburban life in a misguided quest for soul. Uh, it is about a young man who wants to be a comic artist for the funny pages. It's what he wants to do. And he lives in the nineties and everybody tells him that's a terrible idea. I think it's the nineties could be earlier. Uh, the whole movie is super indie. Uh, it's got that mid nineties filter on it. Like, so everything's mega grain and it looks like it was shot on a VHS yeah. tape. Uh, I go for stuff like this. Like I, I know this one's not necessarily produced by a 24 or anything, but like, you never know. Like some some of the best moments in cinema, I find, are like really odd one-off features that, like you know, just kind of come out of nowhere. And for all we know, this one might have some heat. There, there could be something to it. So funny pages caught my eye when we were putting this outline together a few weeks ago, and I thought, why not? We'll throw it on the list. Funny pages. Andy, any hot takes? Um, it looks all right. <laughs> uh, it didn't really yeah. grab grab me, but. Uh... It could kind of go either either way. It's it's kind of a story we we've seen before. Misguided youth uh, with uh, full of idealism uh, has to learn the harshness of reality <laughs> uh, with a lot of laughs along the way. Yeah, I, I love I, any any movie that supports like the kid drawn drawn in his notebook instead of like taking notes in class. I think is one I can get behind. It's a good underdog story, you know. Where parents are like, "What do you mean you want to draw comics for a living? This is it? This is all I want to do? It's great." 
Uh, what's next? Uh, next is Triangle of Sadness, uh, which I've heard a lot of buzz about in the uh, film festival circuit. Uh, this is a movie by director Ruben Ostlund, who uh, famously directed Force Majeure, a Swedish film, um, which was remade for American audiences very terribly with Will Ferrell. But um, it's kind of a, a, a modern classic. This film, Triangle of Sadness, is about an incredibly wealthy cruise that uh people are on on this uh yacht so it's not like a cruise liner it's but it's it's a yacht and there are it's you know the working class crew who works it along with these uber wealthy people uh at some point the there's a, a storm the boat crashes on an, on an island and everyone is you know kind of marooned um and that's kind of what where the the teaser ends which is probably a great place but i imagine this is going to be about you know what was a very difference in class kind of doesn't matter when you're all equally stranded you know and 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 the uh the people that were you know are more useful <laughs> maybe become more uh th- this looks like it'll be good probably uh some dark comedy if you've seen force majeure it's all about really uncomfortable and funny uh situations uh this stars all uh, a bunch of swedish actors that i, I can't i'm not going to try and pronounce their name and also woody harrelson <laughs> Uh, uh yes. what do you what do you what do you think about this i'm, I'm uh, looking forward to this i don't know a lot about it i'm looking forward to it uh the direction reminds me a lot of like a yorgos lanthimos picture um like director of the lobster or killing of a sacred deer like just really locked down tripod uh, like unwaveringly dark comedy right like starring a bunch of super rich people who are completely out of touch with reality on a boat that is slowly going down <laughs> Like, it sounds like the best parts of Titanic and, uh, God, I don't know what else. Um, but I, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I, I, it seems, it seems like a small feature and it seems like it might definitely be one that like ends on a really odd note and you get to the end you're like, oh, that was a weird movie. But you know, I don't know why it's called Triangle of Sadness. I'm intrigued. Yeah. They, I hope it's, the, yeah. Yeah. That's not, uh, it's, yeah, it does have a weird title. It doesn't tell you at all. Uh, Force Majeure, if you're not familiar, uh, is this, the film he did in 2014 is about a family that is go skiing and there's this avalanche and everyone panics and, but no one, no one is hurt. But in the midst of the, of the, the danger of this avalanche, the father kind of shoves his family aside and like kind of runs to save himself. And then the rest of the film is the kind of fallout of the, of that action. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the, the American remake was called downhill and it came out in 2020. And I didn't see it, but yeah, it's, I know. I remember Andy talked about Force Majeure like years ago. I feel like you, you, you were like, there's this movie it's a, it's you, you a good, should it's see. Great, yeah. Man. So it's cool to see, you know, directors we like coming out of the woodwork a little bit. Uh, our last film for this week on trailer park is, uh, the Banshees of Inishirin. Uh, the Banshees of Inishirin is quite the title. Uh, does not sound like a normal film. It's from directed by Martin McDonough, director of In Bruges, and most recently, uh, Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri, Academy Award nominated feature. Uh, stars Colin Farrell and Brendan Gleeson as two uh, lifelong friends in Ireland who uh, are seem to be getting along just fine. When one day, son- one of them suddenly and abruptly decides to end their relationship and say, "Don't ever talk to me again, or I'm going to pound you." And the other guy's like, what do you mean? What I do? And that's the movie. It's two adult men who don't seem to be able to sort out their differences, uh, both in Ireland. That's that's the whole movie. 
I'm very interested in this movie. Again, uh, bold cinema, right? Just just old, old people talking in rooms, and that's what's going on here. Martin McDonough has proved time and time again he's incredibly capable of making something interesting. This obviously feels like a spiritual follow-up to In Bruges, which also starred Colin Farrell as Brendan Gleeson as two partners who were having differences <laughs> and trying to figure themselves out after a job. Uh, I, I mean, what's not to love, right? Like, this, this seems like it's going to be a smash hit. Yeah, I'm I'm really looking forward to it as well. Love Brendan Gleeson. Colin Farrell's always great. And and again, In Bruges is, is a classic uh, kind of dark comedy from, that's pretty old now, 2011 or so. God, is it 2011? Um, I was hoping it was like 2014. It probably is 2011. Nah. Uh, no, yeah, because I, yeah, yeah, you're right. It's early, in, yeah. It's a great film, and so it's nice to see these two. And, and again, it's a you know dramatic comedy, a dramedy, uh, as much as I hate that <laughs> that word. But it's and it, and it's it's so Irish, like it's the most Irish movie. It's in Ireland. Everyone is in it is Irish, and it's they're out in those, you know, the Irish countryside as well. It's a rural film. Yeah, uh, big lenses, it, 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 it landscapes. Looks, yeah, it looks like a lot of fun, and I'm I'm excited to see it. Looks like a lot of fun. Uh, speaking of Colin Farrell, uh, we need to talk about our last film of the episode, which he's also featured in. Andy's going to be taking the summer on this one. Andy, please take it away. 13 Lives. Hey, Rick. You following what's happening in Thailand? Some kids stuck in a cave. So this is the story of the rescue of the Thai soccer team, which was trapped in these caves in Thailand. I've said for a couple of weeks, I kept mentioning Chilean soccer team. No, there were Chilean miners who were trapped underground, but that was a completely different situation. This is a Thai soccer team in Thailand. Um, this was all over the news a couple of years ago. Uh, this group of 13 uh, young men on this this team went cave exploring in Thailand. It started raining. The cave filled up with water. They got trapped. And it's about the country coming coming together the world coming together to save these boys and and the very harrowing escape and what what this whole operation was because it was this massive undertaking to save the these kids who were on borrowed time uh to escape and it's you know they were trapped really far in the cave they you know it was very parts were flooded parts were not flooded they you know they didn't have any food so you had government forces working together, and uh, the film stars Viggo Mortensen, Colin Farrell, and Joel Edgerton as uh, divers who come uh, from elsewhere in the world to to help help with the rescue. And uh, not a lot of people know these kind of can dive these kinds of caves, but they can. Um, the film's directed by Ron Howard, shot on location in, or a lot of it is shot on location in Thailand. Um, very claustrophobic feeling there's a lot of shots in caves and people underwater and they they recreated all the those sets um so that that's the the film zach what'd you think uh so i didn't i didn't i didn't really go for this movie i didn't really like 13 lives uh it feels a little like a half-baked idea uh it's like it couldn't figure out what it was gonna be uh i feel like when this happened in 2018, Ron Howard was maybe got a big head about it and was like, oh, my God, I could make this movie adaptation It'd be really cinematic and cool. And maybe he got involved with what was going on over there, got excited. Somebody somewhere who, who wrote the script for this or something got got really stoked on the idea. And then along the way in the production, like it felt like they couldn't really find a strong emotional center 
or like a really good like through plot for the, the the film the story the film is based in and you end up coming out with kind of a a feature that's too long kind of bloated and and ultimately like lacks I don't know, a feeling of real like suspense because uh, if you're an adult watching this movie and have an Amazon Prime subscription like you likely do uh, to watch 13 Lives, you you already know what happens. You, we know what happens with the Thailand Cave Rescue. Like, so it's weird to watch this movie and feel like I already know what the ending is going to be and it takes two and a half hours to get there. Like, what are you going to show me in there? <laughs> it's really incredible. There's There's some quality acting. There's a few scenes I like. But but ultimately, like I I can't help but think, why didn't Ron Howard just like make a documentary instead, you know, and 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 cut right to the quick and get to the people it's actually happened to? Because this kind of biographical recreation is good, but it's just I don't know, it's it's not 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 quite up to snuff for the man who made Apollo thirteen, another movie about people trapped in a place, and like now we're here, thirteen lives. Uh, I don't know what happened, you know. Uh, so, yeah. <laughs> Like <laughs> yeah, so so somehow Ron Howard has managed to make a very dramatic and and kind of death defying situation incredibly bland. Um, yeah. Again, it I I think this would have been better as a documentary. Um, the, we just we don't get enough into our characters. There's not anyone to really latch onto. All our divers are one dimensional. All the uh, the the Thai people divers and soccer team they're all what like we don't really get to know anyone. Um, it doesn't feel dangerous un- enough. Like, and and it it is, you know, they're in these tiny caves. Like, their their air tanks are scraping along the the bottom. Like, I mean, this must have been such an unbelievably dangerous thing to undertake. And somehow, it just it doesn't come across that way. There's not enough fear, not enough danger. Even though we know how how it ends, it's still. I mean, they didn't at that point. They they thought they were going to be find these. If they found these boys at all, it was going to be dead. And we don't really get that sense of drama and that that sense of, of urgency. It's just kind of like, oh, hum, hum, oh, let's go rescue the kids. We can do it. <laughs> and I don't know how that happened because it's such a dramatic situation. It's like, how did you how did you blow it? So there's a couple of core points that like I think upset the apple cart when it comes to like any any dramatic effect this movie is supposed to have. Number one, you probably already know how it turned out. Uh, all the boys make it out. So you're not going to have any real drama where like the boy, the boys are really in trouble this time because we all already know they all make it. Uh, There are some huge missteps along the way. And those are particularly interesting. Those might be the best moments of the film uh, outside of trying to actually figure out how to get the boys out of the situation and the setup to explain how they got in here. Uh, And that's something the movie does very well. I'll talk about that in just a second. I think, like, number one, people already know what's going to happen is a problem. And number two, these caves are so tight, right? It's so difficult to move around in these muddy, late, like, uh, completely submerged caves that, like, divers could not work through that it was an incredible challenge to get in and out of these things. It also means there's no room for air. There's no room for big water tanks. There's no room for error. And there's also no room for cameras. Like... And that creates a situation where, like, it's not particularly compelling to shoot. Uh, in, in fact, I was looking at the trivia for this. One of the only things uh, divers who were actually there said didn't really work in this movie is the water isn't muddy enough. They're like, we couldn't see anything. 
And they don't even have that in this movie because you got to be able to see. It's a movie. So, yeah. like, you got your characters looking around like they're swimming in relatively clear water, swimming through areas where a camera can fit because they had to shoot these things. And, like, suddenly this doesn't look as, as, as much a tight squeeze as it should be, right? Like, this doesn't look quite as harrowing as it needs to because you have to cheat it for the film. So it just kind of comes off lacking, you know? And it's like, I, I wish they had, I don't know, figured out a way to make that a little bit more right. harrowing. And- Another, to piggyback off that, another thing that that could have been more dramatic is, you know, their solution was to sedate the the soccer team and to slowly pull, you know, take them through the cave because it's, I mean, it was like several miles that they're in, in, in this thing and they have to, you know, they're like, they'll know that they'll, the, the kids will panic if they have to actually try and swim. So like their, their solution is to sedate them and kind of, bind them up and take them through like packages and but the thing is they have to sedate them like you would put someone under for surgery and that's an incredibly dangerous thing to do without all the machines hooked up to constantly monitor monitor everything like heart rate breath like brain activity all these you you know it, it's really incredible because they they had to be like well let's just hope they stay under and we're going to give them some extra shots along the way but if they wake up underwater they could die and also kill the person that they're with that's trying trying to help them. Um, and again, this wasn't, it just didn't feel dangerous enough, didn't feel as kind of unpredictable enough as, as it probably was the real thing. Yeah. Um, the, the movie suffers from like that lack of, of dramatic core. Like and, Andy's absolutely right. Like the, the, the parts that should have really big tension just don't quite don't quite elevate to where they need to. And that's hurt. That, that that's, that's like additionally unaided by like a, a really long runtime, two and a half hours. If you're going to make me watch a movie for two and a half hours, it better be Lord of the Rings. Like it better be good stuff. Cause if you can't do it in shorter time, it feels like you didn't have enough to say. I think this movie's hurt by its pacing and something that probably would have helped that was either tighter editing, uh, I, 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 I a plot that's more centered on like a central conflict. That's not necessarily the Thailand cave rescue. Uh, and additionally, the idea that maybe this should have been a miniseries. Um, Annie, and I talked about yeah. that after, after we watched it, like this could have been a three episode limited three, series from, from yeah. director Ron Howard on Amazon prime. that They really could have played up, like watch three episodes of this, you know, and instead it doesn't quite get there. I'm reminded of like, uh, the Peter Jackson doc, uh, Get Back, when they were like, oh, it's going to be a movie. And then they announced, oh, it's going to be a limited series on Disney+. Plus. And then by the time it comes out, it's like 12 hours of content. It wasn't actually 12 <laughs> hours, but it's like way too much. And it's like, no, 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 no. Like, you guys missed the mark here. You know, like, we, we live in an attention economy. You got to get to the goods. You got to keep people hooked. 13 Lives doesn't do it. It, it just takes too long. It's a little too bloated. Um, yeah. Yeah, and we we just it, it has a couple of side plots involving people outside of the cave, which kind of make it too long. And it is cool that I, I think a lot of it is shot on location in 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 Thailand, um, you know, near where where that cave was. But it's yeah, it's just it's it's way too long. It's they, so long. Yeah, they, I was they, they, with they, it for like the first forty five minutes, but then I couldn't. Yeah. Yeah. It's got a fine start. Like it, it, it gets going. I like the way it introduces our characters. I wish it dug in on them more. Um, you know, you don't really get to know Viggo Mortensen's diver. You don't really get to know Colin Farrell's diver. He's got some problems at home with the son, but you never really investigate that stuff. And that's a shame. Like, honestly, I, I obviously the movie should have been about 
somebody, I think somebody's struggle and not just like the general struggle of 5,000 volunteers trying to figure out how to get 13 people out of a cave because that's too overreaching. It's too big. You know, like even the movie 300 had to be about uh, one character and then you kind of build the set around them. And like 13 Lives doesn't really go for that. Like it doesn't make it about any one person in particular. It makes it about this kind of movement. And that's why I think it would have probably worked better as a doc. Like make this a documentary and give us the real people. Like give me interviews with the actual people who dived in and photos of the cave and how awful it looked. Like that would have been a much better spend of resources than like a dramatic retelling of something that happened so recently. Yeah, exactly. Interviewing the real divers who who were there and survived. That's the thing. This wasn't without loss of life um, from some of the people who were trying to do uh, the rescue. But yeah, interviewing the the, the real divers, interviewing the... Because they were were in there for over a week before they were found. Like, they didn't have any food for over, over a week, you know? So, like, interviewing the people involved, the kids involved, like, that would have been incredible. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, there's potential here for an incredible documentary and a subpar movie. (laughs) Yeah, like there are amateur cave divers on YouTube who put out like content that's more harrowing and captivating than this. Like this is like dramatic retelling of something that was already plenty dramatic, like ultimately just falls a little flat and doesn't actually like meet, I think, like the drama that came from the real situation. Like that's that's that was really a thing. I mean, that's a whole thing. God. Um, Yeah. And that's a bummer. I, I do like the people in it. Colin Farrell is pretty good. Viggo Mortensen's good. Viggo, Viggo Mort- I, I think Viggo Mortensen is like, he's like low-key method actor, right? Like he's, I think he gets really into roles. Uh, IMDb said he helped like a lot with advice on this movie. He was the one that suggested to Ron Howard that they actually dive it for real. Like, uh, well, like the, the, the actors actually like get scuba certified and dive it. So like you're not just using stunt doubles, like. Um, which yeah. apparently, fun fact, Colin Farrell got so claustrophobic filming this movie that he was like, I don't think I'm ever going to do water. <laughs> get in the, <laughs> like, I'm never getting in the pool again. pool again. Yeah, we're not going to see Colin Farrell in Avatar 5, I think, is what I'm hearing, uh, which is a bummer. But, uh, you know, Joel Edgerton's fine, like him, as, as Dr. Harris, as an anesthetist who's, who's given an impossible task. Um, you know, it's, that stuff's good. Um, I just, it's it's weird that, like, like I said at the show open, like I used to feel like a Ron Howard movie, if a movie had Ron Howard's name on it, it meant something. And watching this one, I'm just like, it doesn't. This this could have been like, made uh, by... He's yeah. gone full Zemeckis. God. <laughs> he's gone, yeah. <laughs> full full Rob Zemeckis. My God, off the deep end. He's making Welcome to Marwen, you know? Um, so I don't know. Uh, yeah, and it's weird. I, coming from the guy who made Apollo 13. Like a movie that's like great uh, about like people stranded in a place and nobody knows how to help them, you know? Um, and now we got this, like 13 lives, terrible poster. Uh, anyway, we should get to recommendations. Uh, Andy, any other thoughts? No, I think I'm ready. Would you recommend 13 lives? Skip it. <laughs> no, <laughs> this is what I'm going to say. I'm going to say hard, hard pass. Um, you're you'd do better just to read read about the story or you know go look up news clips and and interviews it just it has it doesn't have the drama that it should have for something that was so dangerous such an incredible undertaking where you know there there was loss of life where there there was potential huge loss of life uh and where the world kind of came together to help get these these boys out and Somehow, Ron Howard has managed to make that really bland and uninteresting in an overly long movie. So, um, 
you know, maybe they'll make another one. Maybe they'll like if if they ever do a full documentary of this, like that's what I would really like to see. Yeah. Pass. Uh, yeah, I, I agree. I, I think 13 Lives is aimed at like the 55 and up crowd. <laughs> Uh, I, I don't think this is made for anybody like who who has any real interest in like Ron Howard's next big feature because this doesn't feel like it. It, it feels like it's lacking. I, I'm disappointed. I, I, I like the people in it. I, I think I think it was a valiant production, but ultimately like it lacks a, 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 a creative gooey center that like really, I think, grounds good cinema just just isn't there. So bummed uh hoped for more but 13 lives is fine uh if there was like a 90 minute documentary about it i'd tell you to watch that probably any day over this one um it's too long too bloated doesn't quite get over the finish line and speaking of the finish line that's about it for this week on off script episode 186 under our belts andy or at least almost uh what are we uh, 200 are we? is on the, sori- it's, on the I, horizon dude, it's coming yeah only only 14 precious weeks uh and we'll be there uh andy what are we watching next week uh well first I wanted to talk about uh the the big release there's not a lot of releases the rest of the month uh the big release this week is a film called Beast starring Idris Elba that's gonna be in theaters only that's the one with him and his daughters going on uh, some sort of African safari and everything goes wrong there's lions there's mercenaries that's coming out but that's not what we're gonna be watching for the show we're gonna be actually going back to some uh some Oscar films we we missed. Uh, last year, uh, we're going to be taking a look at Licorice Pizza, which is uh, Paul Thomas Anderson's uh, latest film that's on Amazon Prime, and also Belfast, which was Kenneth Branagh's uh, film, which was nominated for Best Picture, and that's on HBO Max. So we're going to be doing kind of an Oscar throwback and get finally <laughs> watching these two films. Yeah, I'm excited to get down to these. I, I was excited about Licorice Pizza initially, um, just because Paul Thomas Anderson is, you know, make, guy makes hangout movies. And like, I think hangout movies are fun, but uh, a film about a 25 year old dating a 15 year old felt a little weird. And then it came out and people, I don't know, reviews seem to be really mixed. So we didn't end up watching it. It was the middle of Oscar season. Now it's on Prime and it's going to be a slow week. So I think it's going to be Licorice Pizza. And then Belfast. Not didn't have the controversy around it, but kind of the same thing. I just felt like, eh, we we just seen Death on the Nile, which I really didn't like. <laughs> I thought, how, how good could Belfast be? But it's it's available now. We're gonna check it out. Uh, also, I, I, a quick note for next week: we're gonna be doing the show on Wednesday because I gotta get some dental work done on Tuesday, and I'm not sure how laid up I'm gonna be. So, barring any crazy uh, extenuating circumstances, Wednesday is the show. And that's uh, it's going to be off script 187 next Tuesday, next Wednesday. I'm sorry. If you want to keep up with the show next Wednesday, you can follow us on Facebook where we live stream our show every Tuesday or Wednesday. If Zach's having dental work, you can follow us on YouTube where we upload our live streams. We're on Facebook. We're on Instagram. We're on Twitter. And we're in all the usual places where you get your audio only podcasts: iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, iHeartMedia. You can follow us there. You can rate and review. The biggest thing you could do to help us out, actually rating and reviewing might be the biggest thing, but the second biggest thing you could do to help us out uh, is just subscribe. Subscribe to Oscar Film Review to get new episodes delivered straight to your phone every Tuesday, unless it's a Wednesday when Zach's getting dental work. And you can also write into the show and we'll read your correspondence on the air, assuming it's, you know, not profanity-laden or spam. Uh, you can write us at mail at OscarFilmReview.com and you can check out our website, OscarFilmReview.com, where we've got interviews, past shows, live streams, all kinds of good stuff. Just hanging out over there, waiting for you to come explore. Come join the show. Movies are expensive. Podcasts are cheap. And come hang out with us. 
over here at Off Script. And uh, most importantly, thanks for listening. God, that was a whole spiel, but I think I'm at the end of it. Uh, yeah, thanks for listening to the show. We really appreciate it. Uh, Andy, any other? I think we're good. It's time for the dismount. It's time for the dismount. Let's do the dismount. I think we're good. From all of us at Off Script, the home of Bold Cinema, I'm Zach Lewis. And I'm Dr. Draper. Thanks for watching.